On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we are diving deep into that mailbag, the mailbag that has been languishing in the offseason. We are bringing it back to life and listening and reading and answering Wow, your emails. your emails. Let's get into it, Mike. Let's just get right into it. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on X. X. At BK Glue Guys. Still sounds like an adult website to me. Does anyone else feel that way? It's very. I think that's the purpose. That's the whole deal. Uh, Netsdaily.com. Still unclear if we're part of the athletic. <laughs> but there was a big story in the Washington Post about oh. the battle between Shams and Woj. And I just want to say Shams is a freaking sweetheart. Oh, you're Team Shams. So, you're coming out full Team Shams. <laughs> even though, remember when Woj retweeted us during the, was it during the Kyrie thing? Yeah. Remember it was the vaccine battles mm. of, of the days of yore? Um, really, truly, it, we can be any, just just retweeting us and we'll flip, <laughs> flip flop right to the other side. Oh That's God. truly all it takes. I don't know if people remember, during uh, this was the time when Brian and I were forced to watch press conferences involving local municipalities, including the city forced, of New York. Mike, I mean, that's doing some heavy <laughs> lifting for you. That is uh, my Pornhub yeah. uh, tag yeah. is local <laughs> municipality press conferences. Oh, you're uploading there. Is that Plus furry, yeah. baby. Yeah. Is that one of them? I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyways, the... Um, uh, Woj retweeted us because there was some like ruling about whether vaccines could be used in like Kyrie. So I like Woj very much because he retweeted us. But Shams is, Shams is our guy. He's been on the show. He's a freaking sweetheart. Twice. I will not. I will not have any slander of Shams on the internets. He's who's, a great guy. Who's slandering people are slandering. There's just there's like the whole this whole Washington Post article about you know the the Cold War between Shams and Woj. Well, sure, they're competitors. Hmm. What's wrong with that? It's like Katy Perry beat. and Taylor Swift, and I won't bring up who's Taylor Swift and who's Katy Perry. Okay, um, Brian, you know what we've got? We got a mailbag. You know we have today, Mike. You said we've it, got you... your boys. Oh, we're going right your boys. into it. <laughs> oh, you want to oh. dive right in? I, well, I don't know. I, I thought that was no, no, that that's was just like a, a like an audible like that's just just to, to, to get people to yeah get everyone's appetite to, get wet, to wet it yeah to w h e t it um Brian we have. Email, but before we get to email, I need to mention one thing. <laughs> you, you have a bit. I, th- I feel like you've got a bit prepared, and I'm excited. I have for a it. bit. Yeah. I saw in uh, Brooklyn Nets on X, the Brooklyn Nets account on X, that uh, Jacques Vaughn has got the team running suicides. Yeah. After practice. Right. And I think it was Jerry Sai who tweeted, quote tweeted after that, you know, like he couldn't get KD and Kyrie to run, but now he's got his squad. He can mold his squad. Wow. Wait, Jerry, I gotta okay. I gotta just say, you and I have been—we've been on the forefront of the Jacques Vaughn supporters. We 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 were pro Jacques, at least maybe I was e- during the Ime Adoka era, right? Like when it seemed like the Nets were going to get him, and I was like, well, maybe they should just stick with Jacques. Yeah, well, I think and part, partly, and if I can interrupt, sorry, partly what I think no. we like about the Jacques Vaughn hire is that we 
uh, predicted it. And that's anytime you predict something, it becomes <laughs> your thing. It's your little thing. And that's that's what we did with uh, Jacques Bond. Is that why Nate yeah. Nate Silver likes Hillary Clinton? So I don't know. Yeah. And I was, I was reaching <laughs> for something that was a real bad big, reach. Big reach. Sorry, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, but if this team sucks, I'm going to go in on the suicides because the suicides. Oh, you're going to think having that that's an, oh, an NBA team do suicides is. Uh, childish like, and silly. <laughs> like they're in a dusty Catholic school gym, gymnasium. That has one single halogen light yeah. illuminating the entirety of the gym. There's sawdust on the floor from it. the previous hoedown. Oh, I could smell it. Oh, I could smell the hoedown. Can't you smell it? I can smell the hoedown now. There um, are not hoedowns in Catholic schools. I don't know if we're... I'm a Jew, so I assume <laughs> it's just there's all, a lot of things I assume about Catholic that's all schools. Goy. That's all Goy stuff over there. It's the hoedowns and Catholic schools. And bland potato salad. <laughs> and I just kind of mush it all and, together. And Jello pudding snacks. Um, which, well, who doesn't love some Jello? But, yeah, okay, I thought by it. the way, do you know what gum is made out of? Like, do you bu- know, like do you bubble know, gum? Yeah, do you know what all gum is made out of? Xanthan? I don't know. what. Rubber and plastic. That is gum. Gum is, I was sitting with my son, my son, five years old. He loves to chew gum. And I have to, I'm like, you know, no on the gum. There's only so much gum a child should have. And they were like, let's see how gum is made. Discovery Channel, guess how, how it's made? Rubber and plastic. That's So we're chewing rubber and plastic. Does that sound healthy to you, Bri? Does that sound like a good life choice? <laughs> I'm a big gum guy, so you know where I'm going to fall on this. Yeah. I have Turkish gum, Faleem. Um, it's, it's flavorless. That's- Maybe it's. No, because that <laughs> tell people why you have that. Well, I don't know why. Do I know have? why you to sculpt your oh your yeah sculpt, facial features. <laughs> That's the joke. It is really hard to chew. It's not the joke. That wasn't the joke. It's part. You of told the, me. You told me that was. The, that's what. That that's was what my wife. Reason. That was part of the joke for my wife. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Should we get in the mailbag? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's get in there. First up is Cheerboy Robert Greco. I feel like Is he I, a Roman wrestler, a Greco? I feel like I peaked super hard on that. Um, incoming hot take, he titles this one. Uh, so so get ready. Stand back. Rob, from Rob in Oradell. Sorry, I doxed you, Rob. Um, uh, a pleasure to have you guys back. Thanks. Good to be back, Rob. Um, read with a face mask so your eyebrows aren't burned off face mask with just a, a whole face mask this is like a maybe a halloween mask like you could you a could halloween use. mask yeah um i i clicked on the link so in the link it's a fan spo um trade machine okay. and i can see robert has an account that with Fanspo. can i say that i was gonna go right past that because i don't clip first of all i, I mean, emails with links danger red <laughs> flags everywhere and then also right. one with like a flame link on it that <laughs> I don't know for some reason that looks <laughs> sketchy to me so I wouldn't I'm glad you clicked on it I would not <laughs> yeah I know that well I'm on a corporate computer for the New York Times is corporate computer so oh, good n- no harm no foul yes um, um you can here's maybe, the trade yeah, let me it. just lay out the trade and this is something that I have talked about um when we back in the day when we we're thinking about flipping Mikhail Bridges here's what it is Bridges to the Rockets now, it starts off with Kevin Porter Jr., who, if people don't know, he's been arrested for, like, felony assault. Uh, but he's a salary dump. I just don't think. And he also has a contract um, where you can uh, get out of it after this year and only have $1 million left on it. But right now, it's it's labeled at $15.8 million for four years. 
but it's a kind of contract you can get out out of this year. Alperin Shangun, Cam Whitmore, who uh, I think the Nets were a pick away from probably getting, or maybe they even skipped Cam. And then it's the Nets' first round pick in 2024. It's the OKC or Brooklyn Nets pick in 2025. It's Brooklyn Nets pick in 2026. Swap rights for with the Nets in 2027 and a first round pick in 2029. So essentially this idea, and it's explosive that we are starting off. Rob, you are a devil in a red dress because you start off. This is our second show back from our summer hiatus where Brian was writing his memoirs. And I was trying to figure out how to get a PlayStation 3 mod onto my Dell desktop so I could start playing video games on my Dell desktop. Wait, a PS3? Hold on. <laughs> Wait. I'm trying to figure out how to play video games on my Dell and not pay for them. Specifically that's my... a PS3? Well, that's the current process I'm on because I want to play NCAA football. And for some reason, the rabbit hole that I've ended up in, because this is a world that I have, there's a lot of compressed files being sent my way and a, a lot of shady downloads because Windows, I forgot, I had not had a Windows computer for years and I forgot the wild west of downloading things on a Windows. It is utterly terrifying. What I want, and Brian, I think you could help me. I, I, this is right up my alley. I'm surprised I'm only just hearing about this now. That's that's more, I was I'm going to call you. <laughs> I was literally going to okay. call, because I was like, there's two people in my life. One is you, one is Matt Parker, Oh, who could very much seems like could help me in this circumstance. Matt Parker, friend of the show. Matt Parker is just gonna be like, just go buy the video game on Steam and don't be, don't be a psycho. Okay, if I so could that's guess. that's yeah. not an option. That's just not. <laughs> Matt Parker did emails. That's just not. So we'll talk after the show. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I need to get free video games. Okay. Pronto. <laughs> Anyways, the the trade that Rob Greco uh, outlined is bridges basically for all the Nets picks to come back. We, let's let's even take a step further back. It's just like yes. it's a it's a. The, the conversation is trade Mikhail Bridges. Let's for, let's forget about like is this a good trade or not or whatever. Like I'm sure we can we can bat the yeah. idea back and forth. Um, but it's less interesting than just doing the con- the big conversation that needs to be had. Is this the time to man? Can you believe we're starting out this this podcast with a Mikhail? But <laughs> <laughs> I should have pre-read the emails. Probably should have done that. Um, but I didn't. Here we are. So um, we're starting off with that. Do you think any of the logic? Makes sense for trading. I mean, everyone has the right price. Everyone's got a price. Yeah, um, yeah, and and no one's un- untradeable. But I I think the thing I will quickly just say the thing to understand about this is that the Nets could, by effectively trading with the Rockets, get all their first round picks back, thereby allowing the tank process to proceed at the level that it should. But in general, the big question that you're talking about the Mikhail Bridges: Do you trade them? Do you not? Which is really not even a debate anymore amongst Nets fandom, because I think people have fallen in love with Bridges. There's been this escalation of his viewpoint, of his standing in the league, right? When the Nets got him, he was viewed as like a third or fourth option on a good team. I mean, he was the fourth option on a team that went to the finals. He comes here, comes a 25-point-per-game score with efficiency, goes, plays in the FIBA World Cup World Championships, was the best or second best player on Team USA and is entering an area where he may be a a, a perennial all-star. There's a potential where he's like just one of those dudes. Um, he's a phenomenal shooter. He's a phenomenal defender and the vibes are immaculate. The question is, if you're in the Nets, is like a lot of teams would value 
vibes, shooting, and d- defense. Like that's that's a very tantalizing combo. There was the rumor that the Grizzlies offered offered four first round picks for Mikael Bridges at one point. Now some of those picks have gone to the Celtics in the Marcus Smart trade. Regardless, Mikael Bridges would bring back a haul. The reason why is because he has an amazing contract. It's around like $22 million for the next three years. He, again, good dude, winner, blah, 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 blah. The reason why the Nets could almost never consider trading him is because of those the things. He is one of the most malleable players in the NBA. We've already seen it, right? Like, he's already gone, become a number one option. Maybe he won't be the, quite that high level. But he can go from being the fourth option on a team to being the number one option. Now, number one is, you know, for a team that's not that great, but he's number one. And because of his contract is so low. Think about this. Jalen Brown's going to be making like $60 million in like year three of his big extension he just signed. That is three times as much as Mikhail Bridges. Is Jalen Brown three times the player of Mikhail Bridges, Brian? No, he's not even one times the player that Mikael Bridges is. I, I don't think the gap between Mikael Bridges and Jalen Brown is is it's, that much to write home there's about. There's very little, very little space in that gap. Let me let me talk about what's a bigger gap, that gap or Quiznos to Subway? It has been a while since I had Quiznos. I will say that Quiznos, <clears throat> it's probably been, I don't know, 10 years since I've been to a Quiznos, mm-hmm. but... It was five years from the first time I went to one and then to the second time I went to the one. And the <laughs> drop-off between the first and second one was enough to make sure that there wasn't – something happened. Quiznos came out firing on all chemistry cylinders. Was, the chemistry was always off with Quiznos. You never knew what you were going to get. But then, but then, yeah, maybe it was just franchise to franchise. Maybe that was the issue. Um, but yeah, so this, the but Subway is bad and it's always been bad. So that's that's the other thing. I have no. Subway's very bad. It's very bad. It's very bad. Um, it, but it, it was the thing that sustained me for about six months of my life while I was in London in wow. school. You, um, like like uh, Subway Jared. Because they had like two for one. You kind of look uh, like Jared. <laughs> Jesus. <man. laughs> Sorry. I've always so, taken that as a compliment. <laughs> I don't I don't keep up with the news. Um, but, the, so, but I don't know. To put a pin in it, I mean, just like. The Nets aren't going to trade Bridges. Um, well, here's the thing I think about it. It's like, is yeah. is it worth it to do full tank or to kind of hedge your bets? Um, we Vegas has us the over-under at 37.5 wins this season, which is actually pretty close to where I just randomly threw out my number 36 um, in our last episode, our last amazing episode. Sure. Uh, I think Mikhail Bridges is also kind of a perfect player to just kind of keep the lights on and kind of keep your foot in the door for that um, potentially appealing, like uh, dissatisfied star player from another team. Um, it keeps us in the conversation without necessarily having to, um, yeah, go go full t- in either direction, which is maybe a bad thing. Maybe there's like um, conversation to be had about like you should either do the full tank or not, and not you know you don't want to be in that. Um, that position of winning 37 games, probably missing the playoffs and also not getting a great pick. Yes, there's there's that argument to be had. But I think for like just the Nets geographically and in the zeitgeist of where they are in the NBA, it's, it's worthwhile to keep a little bit of competitive fervor afoot just because you want to be part of that conversation if there should be a dissatisfied star who might want a big old trade in a new place. Does that make sense, Mike? Am I crazy? 
Yeah, I'm going to say one more thing about this because oh, I, I, re- I really don't think Bridges will get traded. He's making 21.7 this year, 23.3 next year, and $25 million a year from now. That's a that's three years averaging out to 23.3. Uh, Bruce Brown, we love Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown is making more money than Mikhail Bridges this very season. Okay, so the 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 thing that people need to know is that Mikhail Bridges is just about the best contract in basketball. Just about for what we think he probably is, and maybe even what he's going to continue to grow into. Best number one contract in basketball. That's not a rookie, you know, like Victor Wembanyama. I guess would technically have the best contract in basketball. Here's a couple of the other players around Bridges' contract. DeAndre Hunter, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's good, but he's the reason why he's, he's okay. doing well he's is because he's he's on the team that he's on right now. Jared Allen. We've all we love Jared Allen. Kendall Johnson. Kendall Johnson's contract declined, so it's a little bit better. But it's it's sort of like the fifth starter on most teams, right? The the fourth or fifth starter. Bridges is probably the best player in the Nets. I mean, I don't think that's controversial, right? He is his contract will only continue to be very exciting, very tantalizing. The Nets have him for at least three years. The great thing about him is that if this season sucks, they could trade him this offseason for the four first round picks to teams that there will be a bigger market after this season for Bridges than right now. So many of the contenders, if you just look around the deals that have happened, are tapped out. They just don't have picks to give. They don't have interesting players to give. The Nets could be in a good position to trade Bridges if they really need to. I don't think they will. Yes, sir. Next up, cheer boy, Matt Parker. Um, Matt Parker, friend of the show. Uh, I feel like this is a great time to not be in contention. This is piggybacking off of what you were just saying, Mike. This is why I teed this one up in particular, because I did pre-read this one. Um, so many teams are the allest of all ends right now, being in position for quick rebuild and then be on the upswing when all these teams are paying the price seems ideal. Given that, what's your bar for a successful season? What do you say, bro? <clears throat> um... I think, and this is going to be tragic to go back to these types of conversations, but we're talking player development, dog. That's where we're going with this stuff. Like, can, and this is a conversation that is going to be hopefully not take too, too long to, to kind of not be batted around all season long, but like Ben Simmons, what do we have? What's the value? What's the asset? Let's, let's hopefully get to somewhat of what the problem is if it's not like, you know, at least 80% of what we think of like as good Ben Simmons is like we're going to be continuously um, carried on a string with with like, can Ben Simmons come back to full swing? Yada, yada. Um, I disagree. I think this is it. This th- is the. But you think th- it's 10 games or is it 30 games or is it 50 games? You mean of just seeing him play? Of just seeing him play. I think it's, if I had to put a number, I think it's like 20 games. Okay. So we give him, let's if put it right now, 20 games. If at 20 games. Good. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we will do a podcast at 20 games. Let's do I will mark it. Mark it. Because like he started last year. I'll pull up. Uh, don't make me pull up basketball reference right now, Brian. <laughs> we He started last year pretty like we were like, oh, Ben Simmons. You know, like they remember how he was getting he wasn't shooting the ball, but he was getting rebounds and assists at a very high clip. We were like, oh, 
uh, Simo the Savage, Young Social like Fresh Fresh Prince, Peacemaker, Benny the Yank, Big Ben, The Wizard of Oz, Ben Simmons. Um, <laughs> He's the nickname. I'm a basketball. Yeah, I'm a basketball. The, so this was his first <clears throat> six games. Okay, <laughs> six games. He was averaging like I don't know, like seven assists a game, and he was averaging about eight rebounds, and he was scoring eight points. He was almost a triple double, but. I need 20 games. That's a quarter of the season. Mm-hmm. And what are his I numbers? What are his numbers at 20 games that make you say he's back or he's not back? Give me the over under points, assists, rebounds, seven rebounds, seven assists. If he's at 14 points, 14, seven, and seven, that's he's back. I'm like, I'm feeling good. And, and, you know, because like the whole concept this this whole new argument that he's been developing, which I appreciate. Because I know this is like my back was very problematic, which you and I, we were also on the forefront of the back is a, is a bad. You are the king of understanding the complexities of a, of a bad the back, back. The back whisper. Yeah. Is what I, I do have my Achilles. You have your back. Yeah. Okay. That's my. Um, my neck and my back. Um, <laughs> so, it, it, so if he's better athletically, if he's. If, if health was actually the reason, we're going to know a lot after 20 games. And if it's 14, 7, and 7, I'm not expecting him to shoot threes. But, it, you know, he was, it, like, uh, terrified, terrified to go after the basket at m- most of the times last year. And 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 so if he's if he's healthy and 14, 7, and 7, he's never been like an like a I mean, he's just a, he's a paint scorer at this point in terms of driving the hoop. You know, if if he shows the athleticism and he helps the Nets fast break really explode, I'm gonna feel pretty good. Fourteen. I would have, is that unreasonable? Fourteen. I, I just like seven? to think of it as I like turning, like using a, a like dumb sports brain sort of binary on this. Like either he's back or he's not back, and I like having an arbitrary number of games. So I just <laughs> like the way that we frame this whole conversation. Should we done really, eighteen games? Is yeah. that better? Is eight, would eighteen have been it's better? It's just dumb, but I love it. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean to to Matt Parker's point, I do think that like. Generally speaking, it's about like is Mikhail Bridges is are those twenty five points per game are those real numbers or is that yes Fugazi stuff from just having a small sample size theater from last season um, you know things like that just trying to value our yeah, assets it's, it's, appropriately yeah this team is all about understanding it's not the entire portfolio it's elements within the portfolio that we need to see strengthened. You know, like when Wall Street evaluates a business, it's not necessarily like you look at Disney, right? Disney makes a ton of money off of the cable sub packages, right? But Wall Street doesn't care about how much money Disney makes off of that. They care about digital subs and Disney Plus growth and growth parks and things like that because the cable business is declining. Sometimes I, and, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Sometimes so, I, I stop listening to what you're saying and I come back and I'm like, whoa, hold on. What are we talking about? Wall Street does not necessarily value how much money you make. They care yeah. about growth. Right. The Nets are that business. Okay. Money they make is wins. They're probably not going to have a ton of wins, right? This won't be a 50-win team. No, no. Well, Vegas over I mean, is what? <clears throat> well, well, it could be well, a lightning. That would be a magical season. Could be yeah, that would be a magical season. season. Well, the problem I, with the Nets and being a Nets fan yeah. is that we had, we, we had that one magical season when Jason Kidd got traded. And so now there is like a lingering hope, I think, born of, of that one season. But anyways, do you think that's a there's a feeling out there that this could be a magical season? 
so I think every season you should have a little bit of your magical season, like probability, the same way that we have any other probability. I think it's pretty low, but I'd say there's like a 8% chance of a magical season. You never know. Ben Simmons really... 8%, huh? Not 7? 8? Uh, I was going to... Yeah, it was... Well, 7.8, and I rounded okay, up Okay, so, eight. okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> that's what I thought. I didn't want to, yeah. like, call you out directly on that. I rounded up. Um, yeah. Let's just do I, one. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, we'll do another one, but but in general, I agree with you. Where it's like, is Mikael Bridges the twenty five point per game score? Is Cam Johnson like a uh, second or third option? Like like is he better than Joe Harris? Right? Like like that's you know, is he that kind of guy? Is Ben Simmons back? Is Nick Claxton actually a center you want to pay twenty five million dollars a year to, or do you realize that eh, actually there's a limit to how good your team can be if your center is that? bad of a like there's all of those elements and all of that makes a delicious stew um together but we we need to evaluate the ingredients before we dip our spoons in you know what i'm saying yes let's do it let's do another one next up that's sure boy we got julian singer julian singer um Okay, we got a th- we got a bunch of questions here. Um, I'll I'll read the disclaimer if you want, and then you can read. <laughs> right, um, Julian should... has one of those emails that has a paragraph disclaimer. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, be careful. I'll just start from the beginning. Let's let's do number one. One, the yeah. Nets. No intro, by the way. Julian, just matter of fact. Matter. I love that. You know. Um, one, the Nets seem to have gone into overdrive on the Ben is healthy PR. Do they actually believe it? Question mark. And let's play along and say he's even eighty to ninety percent of Philly Ben. Sure. What is this team ceiling? This is my. This is the miraculous team um, cohort. I'd put them in in that second, tied with Cleveland, Philly, Knicks, Miami. I guess tier that he doesn't say there. If Ben stinks again, then we win thirty six and hand a lottery pick to Houston. Um, I actually am interested in the like if Ben stinks, what what is our win total thing? Because I actually don't know that it's thirty. I think it's a little bit lower. Like if Ben's like think- a true just like empty, like maybe doesn't play or whatever. Um, I do think we fall. Like I think he contributes to wins, and as part of my as part of this thirty seven and a half Vegas. Um, number. Yeah, I mean, we we joked about it last year about how like th- this current version of the Nets is like the perfect Ben Simmons team. It's a bunch of shooters, tall, lanky, switchable shooters. Besides Nick Claxton, Nick Claxton's the but like Spencer's uh, has is one of the more again malleable guards. He's been lead ball handler. He's been off ball with like guys like Luca, uh, Brad Beal. Not that him and Brad Beal really got along seemingly. Him and Kuzma definitely do not get along. But so like there is this vision, the miraculous. If we're looking into that burning bush, right? And God is speaking to us and saying the Nets are a 50 win team. I think that's how the the Torah works. Um, That we we see Ben Simmons running the break like a gazelle. And then Bridges, Cam Johnson on the wings, um, you know, Royce O'Neal shoot like all, all these kind of athletic shooters are flying around him ben driving to the hoop dishing out open three bang bucket nets <laughs> score wow. Wow. Um, i feel like i'm there um, this is amazing yeah so i i could see that i don't put them even if ben though is at 80 to 90 percent because again 90 percent of philly ben is like very good it's very good it's philly 
Philly Ben was at the time viewed higher than Embiid was. I think if we get Philly 90, Ben was the guy. If we get ninety percent of Philly Ben, I, this is a let's let's get let's get crazy. Forty is that Cherry Hill that's a, Ben? That's a forty-four win team, and I'm not joking. Is that, like, is that a Cherry Hill Ben or is that a Wilmington Ben? What's ninety percent of Philly? Yeah, you know where are we going I mean, with that? Cherry Hill is that Bucks County Ben? <laughs> Bucks County, Ben. I think ninety percent of Philly should be a. It should be like um, Madioc or whatever that town is. Poughkeepsie, in, yeah, no, Rochester. Ninety <laughs> percent of Philly is is Rochester. Cleveland, Ben. Yeah, yeah. is Cleveland could be. Um, um, so, anyways, I but I still don't like even with that. I I think the Cleveland, Philly, Knicks, Miami tier. Though I don't know about the Knicks. We'll see about them. But I I think Cleveland, Philly, Miami, particularly if Philly can figure out anything with James Harden. That's a different tier. Um, the Nets are sort of in that like seven to eight, seven to ten team battling for the play in, battling to get out of the play in. You think they're that's even, where they're gonna be. You think they're there even if we get ninety percent Philly Ben? Because I think I think we are kind of in that Knicks. I, I would actually break up this he's got four teams in there. I'd break that up to maybe like a second point five tier. Um sure. A B sure. tier, a B tier of the second tier, um, in which like the Knicks and um, maybe probably Philly are, are going to be in. But um, I think we get there. I think I think honestly, I think it's a forty-four win team. I'm going to call it right now. If we get really good Ben Simmons, like miraculous Ben Simmons, wow. like I think okay. I think we're in the middle pack of the playoffs. Okay. Next question is my adoration for big game. James Harden grows with each twisting of the knife to Moray and Philly. How do you see that one ending? I think James tanks his play and gets dealt. I think this was Jake Fisher. No, <laughs> it was. By the way, to start to interrupt, did you see Jake Fisher's question to Ben Simmons at yeah. the press conference? <laughs> <laughs> I love. Shout out to Jake. He's been on the show. I love him. But that was like a hilariously. Well, tell people. So pocket. basically, Ben Simmons is up at the podium. Right. It's the second Jake- question. Like he's like pretty geeked to be there. He's like, you know, New Year, New Me. Ben Simmons energy. And second question is Jake Fisher. He's like, so you missed media day two years ago when you were with the Sixers. Do you remember what you did that day <laughs> instead of going to media day? Was the question, and which is a hilarious thing to ask. Like, I think it's a good. I mean, that's how my mind would work. It's like, like, what, what I, did like, you did do? some laundry or like, what, yeah. like <laughs> did you try to get uh, like a, a a video game onto your computer for free? That's what I was just the combination of PS3 and Dell. I'm, I'm already. I'm like so intrigued of, of what no, you, you don't even want to know <laughs> what? how. Kind of I just had to download a you're in, into right now. a file decompressor that has happening? a I'm, I don't even I don't know what to do I don't I don't know PC file decompressor I just I the combination of Brian. PC I'm, plus PS3 is just I'm intrigued but um I'm out of my depth but but immediately Ben was like next question and Jake was like okay like yeah. it was that energy of like <laughs> I'm gonna ask this question like it it could be a fun question and then like this the person it's like when you walk up to someone at a bar and start talking to them they're like no and you're like okay. Oh, well, sorry. Like that's that's <laughs> that the energy that I amazing insight into. Has that ever happened to you, or somebody just says no? no I would you? never walk. I would never walk up to anyone at a bar. Like, <laughs> okay. I mean, I now just think, I would. Now yeah. I would because I have the comfort of, of 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 marriage. You know, like I'm not worried about. You know what I mean? Oh, like you're talking about like talking you know, a woman a walk, talking to a woman at a bar, a, and a they lady. just and they just say no, and they put up their hand and they say, "Stop!" Somebody I've seen help it in me. movies. No, yeah, I've seen it in film. Yeah, in in film. Yeah, okay. particularly um, there's that Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone one, which is really good. Have you ever seen that? I think about it movie. Anyways, the how does this end? 
I honestly, I think I don't, I, I have no clue. But Jake Fisher, speaking of Jake Fisher, wrote a really, no, is your own Weitzman from Fox Sports wrote a really good story. Basically, is like James Harden does everything on his emotions. And if anyone crosses him, they are out of his life. And it sounds like that's what he feels about Daryl Morey. And Daryl Morey's going to wait. Daryl's going to find a deal. Like we thought he couldn't trade Ben Simmons, but he did. Okay, yeah. next question. Will Vaughn do the right thing and commit to CT, which is Cam Thomas, for 20 to 25 Do the right thing. Look at the, how loaded this question is. It is loaded up. It is a fully loaded any, potato. <laughs> if any team should be able to cover his defensive de- deficiencies, it should be the one with Clax, DFS, Bridges, Simmons, and Royce. Brian, I've been waiting for this question. Do the right thing and commit to Cam can, Thomas. Can I, Just do the right thing. So here's what's happened. We have abdicated our throne all summer. We didn't pod. So the, the, the thought leaders of Nets Twitter have run wild, run aflame with this idea that Cam Thomas is like the prince who was promised. Mm-hmm. I just want to remind people. Wow. Cam Thomas has played well, under Mike, multiple coaches. Mike is back with a reality check, boys. <laughs> and not a single time <laughs> has Steve Nash or Jacques Vaughn given Cam Thomas an ounce of a reliable rotation. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. As exciting as Cam Thomas can be, and he has hit game winners, and he has scored, he had that stretch where he scored like 90 points in two games, and he it is was, excited. It was, it was three games with 48 points, Mike. You know, I, I'm making the argument from my end, so yeah. I'm going to downgrade so gonna, it. Oh, interesting. You know. Wow, you're going to poison my well. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not incumbent upon Jacques Vaughn to change his thinking about Cam Thomas. It is incumbent of Cam Thomas to change the way that he plays the game. I'm not a genius on the, about basketball. Though, like, you know, if you put me out of, you know, on the court, I'm going to make things happen. You know, yeah. I'm gonna make You're a physical happen. genius, not a, not a strategy <laughs> guy. <Yeah. laughs> uh, an idiot servant is, yeah. is how I am on yeah. the court. An and, idiot servant. <laughs> Sorry. <idiot>. Servant. <laughs> yeah. What did I say? We said um, servant. And then, I, yeah. yeah. I just. <laughs> um, Cam Thomas. I would love to see him change the way he played basketball. What he does is so siloed from anything else that happens to anyone else on the court. He is so consumed with what he wants to do, which is get buckets mm-hmm. and it has no relationship to team basketball that if he like, I've been advocating since the moment this team drafted him, if he was willing to just kind of sometimes stand in the corner, hit open threes, fix, mix his way in, slowly build his way up. I think there's a chance for him to be a real rotation piece, but he, every time goes into the game, looks to get buckets and it probably kind of sucks playing with him. I'm just going to say it. It's not fun to play with someone who just pulls up from 18 feet when he has 15 hands in front of him and doesn't even look at Mikhail Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie, Mike, et cetera, do you et cetera. Find yourself like, I don't know, getting angry at, at bunny rabbits for hopping, you know, do you, do you find yourself? Yeah, what the fuck is hopping? Nothing else really hops. Fuck <laughs> what, what do you? Think? Why do you run do you, like a real animal? Do you get angry at fish for swimming? I mean, this is who he is. You're, 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 you are. Um, 
taking issue with something that is innate, that is immovable, that is a, a quality that if you if you get rid of it in Camp Thomas, is there even a Camp Thomas there to speak of anymore? Right? It's a ship of thesis sort of situation. Nice. Um, I think I think you either you either enjoy that kind of experience or you don't. And um, obviously, a huge portion of Nets Twitter uh, they're bought in. They love that experience. Um, on this podcast, we generally, you know, we Cam Thomas is the Zack Snyder of basketball players. Oh, you either like what he's doing. There are people that like Zack Snyder. I actually didn't even know that. I thought like Zack Snyder was like cut. The whole premise of the Snyder cut was that there's legions of Snyder heads out there that love everything that Zack Snyder. I just thought he had like some kind of crazy contract where he got to do stupid stuff like that. And that he also had that too. Right. I don't think anyone wants the Snyder to people. People wanted the Snyder. This was the internet. The internet if, wanted if it. you want if you wanted the Snyder cut, please join the Discord, discord.gg slash glue guys. <laughs> I think a lot of our people in the Discord <laughs> and, did. And write us. Um I and also I did watch the Snyder cut. So, so either that's I'll me. just just put to tie a bow on that. I think it's either you you I think Mike, you you like Jacques Vaughn don't like what Cam Thomas does on the basketball court. And that's fair. Me, Jacques Vaughn, and Steve Nash. Yeah. Now, do I really want to be in Steve Nash's company? Oh. Better question. I just want to remind people how bad of a coach he was. I just want to keep reminding I, people. <laughs> I think they know. Um, finally, well, we can do Julian Singers later. Uh, but he, he had a bunch of. We got to get some. We got to start yeah, firing these out. Okay, Jesus. fire beep. Um, yeah. Next up, cheer boy. That's Jonathan Andrews. Um, Jonathan Andrews says, "Welcome back." Guys, Glue Nation, stand up. Let's go. Um, my question is, do you think we should slash will get in on the tertiary Lillard trade market? Brogdon may duplicate some of Dinwiddie's skill set, but he's a great talent and probably wouldn't cost much in terms of assets. Salary matching might get funky. It would either need to be Ben, Spence, or one of DFS slash Royce, plus a bunch of youngsters in a trench coat. Keep up the good work, gents. Go Brooklyn. Let's go, Jonathan. Nice. I've thought about Malcolm Brogdon. I like the idea of Malcolm Brogdon, um, but we have not seen any smoke surrounding him. Um... You know, I don't hate it because he he is a point. He's like Spencer. Where you, like I wouldn't trade Spencer. I wouldn't trade Ben. I I think at some point they need to trade DFS or Royce. I believe the Nets are probably just gonna because like here's what Brogdon would do. It would make them win 0.5 more games. Right? They would give be a little bit more sound, a little bit better during the games. It won't have any real impact. Where DFS or Royce could bring you back a first round pick down the road, which would be a better, would be more beneficial to your franchise. So I don't think, I don't think they're in on Malcolm Brogdon though. If they trade for him right after this pod, God bless. Next up. God bless. That's <clears throat> next up is Ryan Blake. Ryan Blake. Uh, hey boys, been a glistener, which I don't know why we haven't used that term before. Glistener yeah. is, that's, that's a good one. You um, have used it before? Have I? You've, yes, you have. A glistener? I, wow, yeah. I don't even know that. Um, since 2016, most of Nets Twitter seems to hate Dinwiddie. They love Cam... Oh, I'm adding this. They love Cam Thomas, hate Dinwiddie. Is that, does that check up with you, Mike? Is that your understanding? Um, yeah, they hate... A lot of people hate Dinwiddie. Okay. I'm just, I just wanted to check the, the premise. They freaking love Cam Thomas. Don't know okay. why. 
Yeah. Most of the Twitter seems to hate Dinwiddie. He's cap. I get he's not an elite player, but I thought he was just asked to do too much last year with the lack of other ball handlers on the roster. I like Dinwiddie and want him here long term, but I'm just confused on why everyone seems to hate him. Ryan Blake, thank you. Um, Why does why does everyone hate Dinwiddie, Mike? And it's It's always been it's been a real problem throughout his whole career. It's one particular play. It's the pull up. Yeah. Step like step back three that. I, we asked him. I remember he was on the show, and I asked him, "Like, why do you do that?" Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Well, it's a good shot." I was like, "And but I wanted to know, like, why do you do?" I think it's just that. But I don't. I don't think people hate him. Hate him. You know what I think? Of I that? think people want more. They want more out of that spot. I'm than not just saying Spencer. I love Spencer. Per Spencer, I'm not saying this is wrong or right. And I think if I could, and we've talked to Spencer Dinwiddie at length now, right? We go, we go way back, and so we know him we, super well. Yeah, um, we do. And the way that I think about him is, he probably. This is wild conjecture, but this is what I think. I think he does because he's a very like systems thinker. He's pretty. He's big on optimizing parts of the game. He was, um, you know, big on driving or taking threes from like he he took a lot of the D'Antoni principles and added them to his game early on before a lot of other guys did. So I think he's a pretty systems thinking um, oriented kind of guy. I think the reason that he takes that shot is the same reason that like a boxer does like an improbable like jabby hook thing that's just like kind of telegraphing a threat that may or may not really be there but like you have to respect it on some level because it might, might go in at, at a slightly lesser tick but do you know box is that a boxing thing yeah you sort of like it's like a it's like a tyson fury thing they throw punches that like are building a narrative of what they can do or what they Got might it. do in the future i love it i i love i i don't think we've ever really had a real boxing narrative the sweet science on the show so god bless you for that thank you <laughs> thank you i feel blessed i feel blessed all of a sudden um <laughs> but yeah sorry god god but next up cheer boy ryan newman what AKA, is on the discord aka d bronx 1414 in the discord shout out to the discord Hello, he says. Uh, last year, it seemed like Spencer. Wow, we're going to do this. Uh, Spencer stepped into the veteran slash leader role after the trade deadline, both because he was the primary ball handler and he had previous experience with the franchise and fan base. Now that a lot of the newer players have been here for a while and are more established with the team, I'm wondering if you see a potential change in the leadership of the team, potentially Mikhail and CJ becoming more vocal leaders. Maybe a guy like Clax grows into the role as well. Is one of the longest tenured nets, or does Spencer maintain that role even after an offseason? Mike, I have a question for you. Did you watch um, Cam Johnson yes. on the Old Man and the Three podcast with JJ Reddick? I did not, but I know There's JJ cl- hyped it up as one of the greatest ever. He was great. I mean, truly, he was. He had one of the most um, methodical analyses of analyses of of just shooting threes from different. Um, positions on the floor, why why you do certain things. And he had obviously watched a, a shitload of J.J. Redick footage before that interview because they did like a 10-minute bit of Cam Johnson just like deconstructing the motivation for taking – for learning to shoot threes in the way that J.J. Redick did. And it was like one of two things. A, like first of all, Cam, Cam, Johnson's, Cam Johnson's obviously a genius. What is he going to do with that genius? I'm not sure um, <clears throat> whether it's going to be in the media or as a – um, as a, as a strategy guy, uh, after after his career, a consultant after as a consultant, um, for McKinsey, 
um, but it it belied a lot of uh, just a, he's a very thoughtful um, uh, just thinker about about very uh, small little bits and bobs on the basketball court, which which was interesting. So, um, anyways, I, I recommend it to people if they haven't seen it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I just, I was ready for the Cam Johnson breakout this summer during FIBA. I was I was sitting there. I was I was lapping up my whole milk in my bowl like a cat waiting. I don't know why I went that direction, mm. but I I was excited for it, and it didn't quite happen. Now I still don't think like I here here's who Cam Johnson is. Okay, here who he was as a net when he joined the team: seventeen points per game, one and a half steals, two assists, five rebounds, eighty five percent from the free throw line. 57% from twos, 37% from threes, which is low for what he was with Phoenix. With Phoenix, he was much higher, uh, but he only played, he played like more limited time. He only played 17 games in Phoenix. He played more with the Nets last season than he did in Phoenix. Who is Cam Johnson? So why I bring up Joe Harris is like, Joe Harris was just a shooter and we had a real up and down experience with him. Cam Johnson is bigger, um, has been a, just a, better all-around player than joe harris but frankly like joe was obviously like one of the top five shooters in the nba for a couple of years there what i would love for cam johnson is to see like a mini leap that mikhail bridges mikhail bridges showed the big leap i want the mini leap from cam johnson can he be the third best player on a pretty good team that's all i need to see from him what that would what that entails is being very consistent from three and adding a little bit more to his game. So I'm like, That's this. I want to see. He's, he's got height. He's intelligent. He can play defense. Just give me a little, give me a little more so, juice. So Mike, what, more juice. the question was about his leadership. So I'm interested in your approach of kind of just, just doing yes. a cursory look at his stat line, you know, and I'm, and I'm wondering if you're the kind of yep. knuckle dragging barbarian yep. who, yep. who just thinks if I don't have a, a fat enough stat line, I can't be a leader of the team. Is that what you're saying? Uh, that is a proven fact in the NBA. <laughs> I've heard multiple NBA veterans talk about you can't be a leader unless if you produce. Mm-hmm. And as sweet of an idea of it would be that like Nick Claxton, I mean, Nick Claxton maybe will produce. Who's the leader of this team? And, you know, it's it's probably going to be Mikael Bridges because he's the best player. And then who's the second leader after that? It'll wow, be like just you're just totally deferring to the, the, the PPG. huh? That's really what it comes Do, down to. Have you ever played a you know rec- like like pickup basketball? Yeah, I played a lot. Yeah, D- does the guy who sucks like me lead your team? Do I have I ever led? Do you think I've ever led a pickup basketball game? You know who I am as a personality. I'm like magnetic. Like people are drawn to me. Yeah, right. People think I, like I walk into a room, they feel it. They feel my presence. Yeah, right. The, room the only shakes. thing people, the room shakes. Yeah, the, yeah, the room conforms around me. Uh-huh. But on the basketball court, I can't lead shit. Because I don't produce. And I think basketball is a sport you need production to lead. So who's going to be the leader? Bridges, Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson. Not Cam Thomas. Because he won't play a lot. Okay. All right. Interesting. I'm learning a lot here. Next up, cheer boy, Alain Laforest. There's a lot going on with this name. Love, love it. Um, Alan, are we going Alan? L A L A I N. I. Are we going Alan well, on that or? We'll the Gmail is Luigi. So, full doxed. Um, 
So Elaine says, the Nets are a team. Yay. Okay. That's made the playoffs pretty consistently over the past decade. However, with only two first-round series victories, Nets fans are used to seeing this team's regular season efforts turn to mush in the playoffs against better yes. opponents. Do you think there are schematic changes that can fundamentally transform Ooh. this team's fate? Or does its personnel limit its ceiling on both ends of the season? Great, great what question. Say, Throw schematics. I mean, that's yeah, let me put on my that? thinking cap. Um, do I think there are schematic changes? Well, sure. I mean, I think, I think in a vacuum, we can always say like, actually, this is kind of an interesting question. Like, do you think for any team that there's some kind of like, like a perfect way to play basketball, and that they could be like, you know, you could take some some waiver wire fodder and just be like, you know beautiful mind like a, a mishmash of players into something that's like really really good like is that is there no, is, is that a possibility not that's never happened in the nba <laughs> there's no it's there's no money ball like true money ball version of that because like even the teams that we think of as being improbable successes you know like there's the seven seconds or less sons but ultimately steve nash was awesome sean marion amari stoudemire who whoever you want to put in the mix as being a part of those teams we're pretty great players. The Detroit Pistons with Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace, Tayshawn Prince, Rip Hamilton, all very good players. Like there's schematics heighten and improve. And obviously, if you have bad schematics like we saw with Steve Nash, you can dull the impact of, uh, of what should be a bright star. But basketball is about players. You know, it's about like you got to play the right way. But like there's like it's it's the dogs. It's the Jims and Joes, not Jesus. the X's and O's, I, I, my friend. <laughs> I did not know that you felt this way. I did not know you were a, a uh, boomer, a to be honest. A freaking, <laughs> freaking boomer brain. Okay, what would be an example of schematics elevating a team past their, you know, I, I mean, where I'm they should to, be I'll, in life? I'll cut through that. I mean, if we're using schematics to mean just like things you can implement. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there was like some like more specific like we're running a Princeton offense or whatever. That is what I think of. <laughs> which, <laughs> which actually, by the way, I grew up a Wizards fan. Eddie Jordan ran a Princeton offense in the NBA. Guess what? Didn't really work. Didn't work. <laughs> Wasn't that great? Yeah. I mean, I don't. I you know, if, if I had the answer to that, you know, are you manufacturing tension with me right now? Does, that, does it feel that way? Um, I, I'm not. I think. I think. I. No, I know. I think. I mostly agree with you, but that there are ways to round out, like you know, five regular season wins for every team, with just pure schematic schematification optimization. The Heat. The Heat are the best example of uh, obviously Heat culture, right? System system. But even them, they suck in the regular season, and then there is a playoff schematics to go back to this question. Um, well, this is actually, they this also have, sorry to interrupt, but, Jimmy, but John Hollinger no, just, had a whole yeah. thing with like, uh, that he actually expects to do over the three point thirty seven point five um, wins just because like nets are pretty incentivized to just win games. And yes, I agree with that. Um, yeah. So for a lot of reasons, they just expect to have a better regular season than, and probably not an off season, but, um, or postseason. Yeah, schematics are a thing. What are they? I don't know. Pay me $4 million and I'll talk. You know, I'll be an assistant coach and we'll get these schematics flowing, Mike, flowing big time. Um, 
No, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to see it because it really comes. It's also like born of the personnel stuff. Like I think your schematics change wildly with players like Ben Simmons because it's just such a weird and unique player to to build around. Um, and you know, combine him with anybody, and especially people like Nick Claxton, and we're schematifying in very different ways from night to night. Well, I will say quickly, Jacques Vaughn talked about wanting to put Claxton more in drop coverage instead of switching everything. Which you, and, which you got roasted for on Twitter. I saw people didn't like that that you pushed back um, on that. Um, I mean, I'm all for showing variation of defense again to go back to Miami or think about what Nick Nurse has done in Toronto, like. Toronto would just like like always mix up what they were doing, and I appreciate that. In the end, the Nets have maybe about like one of the best switching basketball teams in the history of the NBA defensively. Like, if Ben Simmons is, I mean, like just remove the offensive side of the ball for a sec. Ben DFS Bridges Cam and Nick Claxton, everyone's six eight or over, super long, super athletic. Yeah, it's the greatest switching. If you if you want to sub in. Take out DFS and put in Dinwiddie. Okay, six five, and then six eight, six eight, six eight, seven foot, seven foot, or six ten, seven foot. It's like it's the greatest switching lineup potentially in modern NBA right. history. I like mixing up defenses, and I, I think he it was asked the question. He was being honest, like, why would you not experiment with it? Um, I understand the idea behind it being like keep him closer to the basket. He could affect yeah. more of the the shots near the basket. Or no, all. I, I think mean, they're just going to switch everything. Like that's what the responses say about, about that. Though they're about the they're like, hey, numbness. Like, uh, what about rebounding? Ever heard of it? Like you, like go yeah, go back to sleep. Rebounded. <laughs> I know. Let's have the Nets rebound. I'm on your side with this. I actually think like, why don't optimize for something you can actually do really well versus something like you're pretty just not in position to do well. Like I don't that's, know. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good. Very smart, bro. Oh, thanks, Mike. Um, let's do one more. Why don't we do one more? Next up, cheer boy, that's Kyle Williams. Kyle Williams says, all right, and this one's for you, Mike. Yes. Let's say you got the chance of having Lonnie Walker be the backup shooting guard or Cam Thomas. Who are you choosing and how would you still integrate the other one? Another Cam Thomas. I love how much Cam Thomas gets brought up in these questions. Lonnie, you're going Lonnie Walker, aren't you? You sick, you sick, (laughs) sick man. I I I don't know I don't know what's happening with Cam Thomas. Okay, there is there is a we are people are putting too much hope there's a, into there's Cam hordes Thomas. Hordes of people, but I mean, Mike, yeah. four, forty games, three point three games in a row, forty point games. Hey, there's a reason he's still on the team. There's a reason he's in the NBA. He is a justified NBA player. He has so much ability, but the way he plays basketball is so <laughs> it's so divorced. From team concept, we talk about schematics. A, a schematic that works is like team basketball and sharing the ball. And like, I think that's going to be valued on this team because this team is the good vibes team and sharing the ball, moving the ball, getting, you know, what's ultimately good, potentially good on the offensive side of the floor for this team is that they have guys who can shoot from the perimeter. They may not have a Joe Harris type or a KD or Kyrie. But they do have Cam Johnson, Bridges, DFS can hit threes sometimes. Royce O'Neal can hit threes sometimes. Spencer Dinwiddie can as well. They have enough guys to where if you're moving the ball correctly and everyone's getting open looks, which goes back to the seven seconds or less Suns, where if you're open, the Mike D'Antoni thing is like, if any player is open for a shot, you take it. Open shots, you take it. 
this team needs to be more like that than like hoping Cam Thomas is a 40 point per game score. That's what I think. <laughs> but he so, could be, Mike. He could be. But here's the thing I don't know if Lonnie Walker is any good side. You know, it's it, it's it like choosing to, between yeah. two bad presidential candidates. I can't fully, you know, give me that third party. What, what are we what are we running out there? Who who who's the person? I don't know. Um, actually, I don't support Lonnie the Walker. Party. Is the Joe Biden of this of this uh, metaphor, Mike? Where do people find us? How do they, they find us How do they learn X. about the rest of our social media? Honestly, just go to Discord. Discord, Brian. Where do people go? To Discord. Discord.gg/glue guys. We're gonna be. I'm probably gonna be streaming these preseason game games, Mike. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you, that, you'll be joining me from to time to time, right? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I could tell you, I could tell people to go on X and follow us on X. Who, who cares? But what do, are we? No. What are we winning out there? What, what's the battle we're winning by telling that's, people? That's just X? where Mike goes to battle the riffraff on a, on a weekly basis. <laughs> that's my fight club. <laughs> yeah. That's my yeah. personal, like going down in the basement, <laughs> punching Brad Pitt in the face, <laughs> yeah. or Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Jared Leto was the one. Yeah. Um, um, all right. Well, hey, by the way, did episode. you see House of Gucci? Have you uh, seen that movie? Jared Leto is just what a gift to mankind. He's in House of Gucci. He's the he's the fat uncle or like the cousin. Oh yeah, that's Jared Leto. Wow. Yeah. That's I really did not put that together. That's amazing. Isn't it amazing? Wow, what a chameleon. Great job. Many people have had that exact reaction when they found out that that was Jared Leto. That's amazing. Wow. What a gift. Um. Yeah. Find us. Hey, we're gonna be potting. Super, I tell you what, I'm I'm working hard. I'm working hard to get some interesting net on the show. So if you guys want that, you know, don't really do anything because like tweeting at people just doesn't work. But you know, just like think about it, positive energy, and we'll, we'll get someone. Let's manifest. We'll we'll get we'll get Ben Simmons on the show soon. Okay. Um. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thank you. Bye.